0: We have a special guest speaker today. Everyone, if you would, uh, give a round of applause for Mike Pennington. Thank you. Well, it is great to see you this morning. I praise the Lord for the opportunity to, uh, to be here. Appreciate Matt being down with the children. He is um, uh, uh, serving in that area today so that uh, others can be up here in the worship time. And just really, really uh, appreciate that. Well, I'm Mike Pennington. It says on the screen, or it just did, that I'm Director of Missions of the Bledsoe Baptist Association. Some of you may be new to this church and not know what the association is. Bledsoe Association is a family of churches in Sumner, Macon, and Trousdale counties. There are 40 churches of us, and we range in size all the way from Long Hollow that runs about 6,000 on Sunday morning. And to Hillsdale, which is just up the, uh, up Highway 10 here, that runs about 2025. And so we have churches that are running in the 20s this morning. We have churches that are running in the thousands. And we're right here in the middle. And so I, I just want you to know that the association, we exist to encourage churches. We exist to strengthen churches. And so uh, I love to be a professional encourager and help the pastors in any way that we can. Your pastor has become a dear friend, and we are going at the end of January. Some of you may have heard about this already. I know the elders have because they discussed it going on a vision trip to Boulder, Colorado. We have missionaries from our association that are planting a church in Boulder, Colorado, one of the most unchurched cities in all of America. If you think about an unchurched city, you might think of Detroit or New York City or San Francisco. Boulder is about 97 or 98% unchurched. It is. If you Google church in Boulder, Colorado, the first one that comes up in the search is the Universalist Unitarian Church. And you can imagine what they believe any and everything. That, that's, that's what they believe. And so that's what the Google search shows. There's not a Southern Baptist Church in the town of Boulder other than Pinewood Church that is starting by, by our missionaries that are out there. And I'll have a little more to share about them uh, as the message goes, uh, goes forward. But we're an association of churches. We exist to encourage one another, to love one another, to serve together in mission and to start new churches. And uh, I've been here with this church since the beginning, uh, encouraging this church as a church plant from the journey that existed in Mount Juliet and uh, and Lebanon. And just so thankful that you're part of the family here of Bledsoe Baptist um, Uh, Bledsoe Baptist Association and so uh, today it's my joy my wife Christy is here Christy just lift a hand wave Uh, uh, she's with me and uh, just had a uh, it's great that she can come with me not always able to Uh, she sometimes has responsibilities at our home church and so just very thankful that she was able to come and be with me uh, today and us to have fellowship together with Matt and Amy after the um, uh, after the service today today I want to talk to you about peace Peace, peace when there is no peace is the title of the message. And whatever peace is, however you define it, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We would love to see a world with more peace, but as we look around, we desire peace, but there is no peace. You look at North Korea. You look at Iran. You look at Russia. You look at China. Uh, just th- there, there are hot spots all over this world. There, there, there appears to be no peace. And we, we think about the Apostle Paul. How could he say in the book of Philippians that we'll get to in just a moment that the peace of God can be with you and the God of peace will be with you? How is that really possible? Well, we all want it. We all desire it. And it is possible according to the Scripture and says that is our, uh, that is our guide and that is our life and our light. We're going to believe that it absolutely uh, exists um, uh, in the um, uh, in this world today. So, I guess to start off, we just need to ask the question Do you personally have peace in your life? Have you come to a place where, I believe it's Romans chapter one or chapter five, verse one, where it talks about that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ? That means the justified, it means the war with God is over. It means that we're accepted in Him. Do you have personal peace? This morning we just finished Christmas. Um, uh, Christmas can be a wonderful time. it can be a sad time uh, in other senses. Maybe you lost someone during the year, maybe there's been heartache of other kind. Is there peace in your family? Thankfully we don't have an uncle. I don't know what, uh, an Uncle Scrooge, let me just say that, that shows up and ruins Christmas at our house. We don't have the, uh, the crazy uncle, and, and so we did have a, have a good Christmas, but, you know, sometimes we put expectations so high that, that, that having a good Christmas is our goal. Well, we just put one foot in front of the other, seeking to walk with our Lord and walk in the peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. But I give a a different kind of peace. And he told his disciples, you believe in God, believe also in me. So don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me, I'm giving you a different kind of peace. And the angels who announced the birth of Jesus that night said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so we desire peace, but we look all around us and boy, there's just no peace out there, is there? But God says it's possible. We're going to read a scripture. Uh, the next slide is going to have the scripture on the screen. I want us to read this uh, together in um, uh, out loud. Uh, can you see that? I'm not sure you can. Let me be, let me read it, and you can read um, uh, along with me. Uh, along with me there. It's out of Philippians chapter four. And Paul makes a couple of statements here. He says, first of all, that the God of peace will, or peace of God will be with you. And then he mentions the, peace, the the God of peace a little bit later. And I want to emphasize both of those things in the message. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 16 in just a moment to get there. But here's what the scripture says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So, the peace of God, Paul says, is available to those of us who don't worry, but by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, we come to the Lord. And then Paul goes through a litany of things that are good for us to think about and to meditate on. Whatever is true. Honorable, just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellent, anything praiseworthy, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so this passage is kind of bookend. The peace of God and the God of peace. Don't you want to be in the middle of that all the time, having God's peace and Him Himself with us? And so how is that possible. And so the question that comes up on the next slide is, how in the world could Paul have peace when he's in the midst of the chaos of the first century? Now, we have plenty of chaos today. I've already named them, Iran, Korea, uh, China, the the, the, the things that are, that are out there. But Paul, the Roman Empire was no picnic. In fact, he's going to experience in Acts chapter 16, some of Roman um, um, uh, mistreatment, I guess you would say. It was awful Christians were being martyred, and and Paul himself, before coming to Christ, was there at the stoning of Stephen. And so, how in the world could he say, I've got the peace of God, and I've got the God of peace? Well, I'm glad we've asked that question, because we want to answer it. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 And we're not going to read this whole passage. We're going to be looking at a good bit of it, but we're not going to read the whole thing. What we want to do is simply look at some character qualities of Paul. I just love that over in Philippians where it said to us, it said to us that Paul said, the things that you have heard and seen and learned and received from me, I got that out of order, but that's what he said, those things do them in the God of peace. So that kind of begs the question, what did Paul do? What did they see in Paul? What did they learn from him? What did they receive from him? And so I'm going to share with you several things that are uh, brief this morning about what Paul, about the character of Paul. And so if you want peace of the peace of God, and if you want the God of peace, then I want to encourage you to practice these things. In the book of um, uh, in, in Acts chapter 16, it first of all says to us that um, uh, in verse 9 of chapter 16, And a vision appeared to Saul Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded, Come over and help us. Paul saw a vision, and he shared the vision the next day. And so the first point that's right there on the screen for you, Paul was someone who could hear from God. Can you hear God? Do you spend time with God? Does he speak to you? Paul was someone who could hear from God. And I, it's just so beautiful here. After he had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach there. Paul was a person of, div- of, 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 uh, 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 of intimacy with God. He was a person that could hear from God. Paul is someone with singular focus. If you look back in some of the other parts of Philippians, he made this statement, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Does that sound like a singular focus? He's living for Christ. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, he he is just focused on the Lord Jesus. You see, when you have the right focus— and you have the right faith, the focus is upon Jesus, you have faith in Jesus, your future is secure in Jesus, your forever is secure in Jesus, you can't, you, you, you can't beat a guy like that. Paul said, I do one thing. Later in Philippians, he says this, this one thing I do, I press on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was the kind of person who was so focused and so intimate with God that he could hear from Him. Now, how do we do that? One of the pastors in our association that Matt knows and uh, I know well, Robbie Galladay at Long Hollow, says we need to be in the Word until the Word gets into us. The Word of God strengthens us. The Word of God sustains us. The Word of God feeds us. And so the Word of God and then prayer, that's how we receive from the Lord. My wife is with me uh, this uh, today, and uh, over these Christmas holidays, I've had a little bit of uh, of off time. Our build our office was closed between. Christmas and New Year's, and so we've been working on a project. She's giving a talk to some pastors' wives. Uh, there, it's a bi-vocational retreat, so about a hundred ladies, maybe more than that. Pastors' wives are going to be at this retreat, and she's one of the breakout speakers for uh, for the ladies. And she's talking about heart and soul, how to be nourished in your soul, how to uh, h- how to how to let God grow you in the midst of your mind, emotion, and will, and, and that the Bible talks about, "Be still, my soul, and bless the Lord." my soul. And so she's doing that, and that's kind of a deep topic. So we've been uh, working on this uh, talk and editing it and all of this kind of thing. But one of the things that she has put in there that I think is just so beautiful is she says to the ladies, I have learned how to be still before the Lord. And she said, it's not my devotional time. It's not my Bible study time. It's just being still before the Lord. And I want you to know something. I tried it this morning. As I've gone through this, I have kind of gotten convicted myself. Because what do we live in? We live in a world of distractions. We live in a world of noise. The first thing some of us do in the morning is pick up the telephone and Maybe check the latest news or, or, or whatever. I didn't do that this morning. I did check the weather to see why, how cold it was. I, I knew it was supposed to be pretty cold, and it was. But that's the only thing that I did on my phone this morning. I, I wanted to live an undistracted life this morning. You see, Paul was a person who could hear from God. And Christy is sharing with the ladies in this talk that it's many times in this time of stillness where I'm just listening to God that I hear God speak that he points out something to me in the area of direction. He points out something to me in the area of correction. He points out something to me just in how much he loves me and how much he cherishes me. And this morning, my wife had already gotten up, and I was snug in my bed, but I was awake, and I just thought, Lord, I'm, I'm going to just be still with you for the next five, ten minutes. Uh, I'm not accustomed to doing that, but I uh, didn't have my phone in my hand. I, 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 was, I was just uh, just there. And um, I just began to repeat over and over, Lord, I, I love you. And, Lord, I thank you for loving me. Lord, I love you. And all of a sudden, a song came back to me from well, the early 90s, Maranatha Music, uh, was well, just praise choruses that, that kind of started the praise revolution, I suppose you could say, of, of contemporary music. And, and one of those songs came to, to mind, and it just goes, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship and adore you, O my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet song, sound in your ear. And I just kept singing it over and over. And I want you to know, folks, it was a blessed time of peace. It was just, I, I, And I'm kind of ADHD, maybe you can tell, but I'm kind of ADHD, and and thoughts would come. And I said, Lord, I just love you. And something else that I did, the the Lord said, come to me as a child. He reminded me of that verse in Scripture that says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and don't forbid them. And he said, if you don't come to the kingdom of God, come to me as a little child, you cannot come into the kingdom I've and I visualized in my mind a throne. You know, we're, in, 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 we're invited to come boldly before the throne of grace, right, in, in a, Hebrews. And I visualized a throne. And I visualized myself as a little child walking up and climbing up on the throne and getting in my daddy's lap and just letting him hug me. Folks, it was sweet. Maybe you would want to try that time of stillness. Be still and know that I am God. I'm God, And that verse goes on to say, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted in the nations. And so in this quiet time, again, this you may have your Bible. I, I began to quote some scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He makes me to lie down on green pastures. He leads me to, beside still waters. And, and then the Lord led me to, uh, to just the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in hellen, heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me today. It was just a sweet, sweet time. See, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. But how many of us are willing to carve out five to ten minutes just to be still before the Lord? And during that time of stillness, he spoke to me some about the message, about something I should share today and maybe something that I I shouldn't. but, But I just, you know, Paul was a person who could hear God. You see, Paul had wanted to go, those verses just preceding that in Acts 16, he wanted to go somewhere else, but it said the Spirit forbade them, and they wanted to go somewhere else, and that didn't work out, and so they ended up in Philippi, and when they end up in Philippi, God does an incredible, incredible work, and we have the book of Philippians, which is, Paul loved those Philippian Christians, but you know he, he didn't have the easiest time, so let's go on. Paul was someone who could hear from God, and he was obedient to the vision that he heard from God, and the others who were with him were, um, uh, were willing to follow him. And before I leave this, let me just say one more thing. When your pastor and the elders come to you with a new idea, a new direction or something, it says here, Paul saw the vision, he shared the vision, and we decided to go. And so, you know, you've heard the, la- the seven last words of the church, we never did it that way before. Just because you hear a new, new idea and it's new to you, maybe God is in it. And so when leadership comes with a vision, be open to that and pray about that and, and join in. It says Paul saw the vision, and so we decided to go being convinced that the Lord had, had, um, was, was calling us to preach the gospel in Philippi, in Macedonia. As well, and so what does Paul do when he gets there? Point number two is that Paul was not only a person who could hear God; he was a person of worship. When Paul arrives in Philippi, he says it it says here in the scripture that they went outside, uh, outside the city, and they found a group of ladies that were worshiping by the river. Now I have kind of an inquisitive mind, and 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 I see see this that he says. uh, uh, that on the Sabbath day they went out of the city where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women there. Uh, my mind begins to say, well, why were there no men? Who were these people? And so I began to, just, to, to, um, to research that. And if you have some of those questions, these were more than likely uh, Jewish converts. Some, Lydia was from Thyatira. She was a Gentile. They were likely Jewish converts. They were worshiping the Lord God. Why were there no men there? Don't have a clue. I'm not really sure. Some suggested that maybe there weren't enough Jewish men in in Philippi to have a synagogue because you needed a certain number of men to do that. But anyway, these women were worshiping. And what did Paul do? It says that they came to this place, and they were there a few days. And so on the Sabbath day, they go out to the riverside where people were meeting for prayer. Paul found a place of worship. I want to encourage you. You want the God of peace to be with you? You want the peace of God to be with you? Be in community with the people of God. I realize sometimes we're on on a trip or or something like that, but stay connected to the people of God. The Bible makes a beautiful statement over in in, in Ephesians. Uh, It is where Paul is praying for the Ephesian Christians. He says, I want you together with all the saints to comprehend the height and breadth and depth and width of the love of God. I ran over it pretty quickly, but did you hear the first phrase? Together with all the saints, comprehend the love of God. I'm convinced that we cannot be all God has created us to be as a Christian if we're not together with all the saints. If we're, we're uh, it, it, over in Hebrews, it's don't, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Be with the people of God. Be with those who love the Lord Jesus. And so I just, I'm going to stay faithful in church. If I move to a different town, I'm going to find a place to to worship. I'm going to be faithful in church, and I encourage you to do that as well. Paul was a person who heard from God, Paul was a person of worship. But we go on to verse 13. it, It talks about in verse 13 on the Sabbath day, and we sat down and spoke to the women who were there. And so Paul was a witness in all situations. He heard from God, he went to worship. And number three, the next slide, is he was a witness to those women who were there. We shared with them about the Lord, and the Lord opened their hearts, and Lydia came to the Lord, probably several others, and we know Lydia's whole household came to the the Lord. Paul used every opportunity just to talk about Jesus. Do you want the peace of God and the God of peace to be with you? That's something they saw in Paul. Wherever he was, he was sharing his heart about the Lord Jesus. He says it again. I'll just quote it again. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. He said even earlier in Philippians chapter one, even my chains have served to further the gospel because he was chained to a Roman soldier and he had witnessed to them, and the gospel was penetrating Caesar's household because Paul was in chains. So he just didn't get distracted, he didn't get off track. He continued to share the Lord, and so he shares the Lord here when it is easy. He shares with Lydia and the ladies who were there, and several of them came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's go on to the next slide. He was a witness not only by the river, he was a witness in the marketplace. And things get a little dicey in the marketplace. In fact, let's... um, um, uh, let's read this where it says here, beginning in verse 16, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed of a spirit of divination, met us, and she brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. And she continued by, behind them, and she even made a statement that's actually, uh, actually a true statement. Uh, she says to them, that um, in verse 17, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, she doesn't mention Jesus, but she's actually saying something that is true. And, but this girl had a, had a spirit of divination. She could do fortune telling and whatever, and her masters were making lots of money. Eventually, she followed them several days saying this. Paul got a little frustrated with it and said, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And her spirit of divination left her, and her masters got really upset. Now, if you hit somebody in the pocketbook, that's when they really, when they really notice. And so, everywhere Paul w- went in the New Testament was a revival or a riot, and sometimes both. And this was uh, definitely one of those times that was, um, uh, that was both. And so, th- they get upset. They drag them in front of the magistrates. They rip their clothes off. They beat them, and they throw them into jail. But what I want you to know is Paul witnessed when it was easy, and he witnessed when it was hard. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that in Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the, 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 the word of salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. It's the power of God unto salvation. That's, and so Paul is just going to talk about Jesus wherever he is. Now I want to insert a little bit here uh, about witnessing when it's hard and share with you a little bit more about Boulder, Colorado, and what Jess and Parker Manuel are going through. And I want you to commit, I, those of who, you who are willing, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I really want you to, to listen closely, and I want you to commit to pray for our missionaries. Bledsoe Baptist Association, they, they were members at Long Hollow. He was pastor of missions there at Long Hollow. God called him, and they looked at several cities. There's 32 cities that the North American Mission Board has identified as what they call send cities. Not send cities, but send. We're sending people to plant churches in those areas. And Denver area is one of those areas, and Boulder is just outside. And so they had prayed about, God, where do you want us to go? We want to plant a church. And God put his finger on Boulder. Boulder is a difficult place. Boulder's a place where several Baptist church plants have started and have not made it. We're convinced that God's going to do something great and, and that this that this this work is going to go on this time uh, in a powerful way. And and I don't have time to tell you everything, but it's a resistant place. As you go down an area called Pearl Street, there are six or eight or ten Buddhist bookstores on Pearl Street. There's every ism you can think of in um uh, uh, in, in Boulder, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, 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 Islam, uh, Spiritism, d- d- witchcraft, it's all there. When they went back in May, early June of last year, or uh, well, it's eight months ago, and they found a place to live, they were so excited about it, it's extremely expensive there as well. They were extremely excited about it, and he either tweeted this or put it on his Facebook page, maybe both. He said, going to plant a church in Boulder, God has provided housing miraculously, praise his holy name or something like that, we'll be moving in, um, uh, in July. And, and just, just a real brief message, someone from Boulder saw that tweet and responded to him and said, just go home and stay home, we don't need you. Folks, there's resistance. There's resistance. When there's darkness and the light comes, the darkness pushes back. And they've encountered spiritual warfare in this area. That's why they desperately need your prayers. I, I can't overemphasize to you enough how much we need to be praying for Parker and Jess Manuel and their four, uh, their four little ones. They live on a street in a house that would sell for $1.4 million. If you saw it in Hartsville, that house would sell for about Forty thousand dollars. I mean, it's just extremely expensive there. It's not a mansion by um, uh, by any uh, by any means it's on a quiet street, and they noticed after they moved in that they walk up and down, and people would leave their doors open and their windows up and, uh, and, and this kind of thing. And people said, oh, this is a safe area of town. We don't ever lock our doors. We don't lock the windows. We enjoy the cool breeze that comes in in the, the summertime. And uh, I don't doubt their windows are open now. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, it's it just really safe. We went out there. When was it, Christine? Um, I can't remember now, it's late October It's when we went. Early October, their Chevy Suburban was stolen. So they got two adults, four little kids, they've got four car seats, camping gear, hiking gear, other things like that in the in the Suburban. And so on this really safe street, just so happens that the missionary's car is stolen. At our annual meeting at the end of, uh, of October, we call it the BBA Summit. Your pastor was there and about 25 other pastors were there and we shared uh, that need, and and I just said, Lord, I, I just pray that tonight that need would be met. We take an offering up in each of these, um, uh, each of these meetings uh, for hurting pastors. And I said, if you want to designate something to Parker tonight, um, uh, just do that. I said, there's some of you here who could could give a check for ten thousand dollars and never miss it. Maybe God wants you to do that. Pray about what you should give tonight. And then our 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 moderator got up and prayed for for Parker and Jess. A few minutes after, and he was even bolder, he said, God, I pray that the offering tonight will completely cover this vehicle. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, sell some cows. We need to raise an offering tonight. The offering was taken. We hadn't counted it. I'm walking out into the four-year area of the church where we are, and a man comes to me who's a businessman, by no means wealthy, but a businessman that God has blessed, and he says, I have a GMC Denali I would like to give to Parker and Jess. The need was covered that night. And so there's warfare, there's resistance, but God is blessing. A miracle happened that night, and the offering came in. It was, was a, an excellent offering as well. We were able to replace all their car seats and their hiking gear with the, uh, uh, the $700, $800 offering that came in additionally for them, uh, for them that night. Folks, there's resistance and so Christy and I take this Denali. It's old. It's not a brand new one, so don't get, you know, dollar signs in your head. They, they lost a 2007 um, Suburban, and the God replaced it with a 2007 Denali. It, it's black. It looks like one the President of the United States would ride in. I mean, it, it's really kind of cool. Driving it out there, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of cool. But we take it out there, Christy and I deliver it to them. We spend two days with them, uh, seeing the work and and getting a God just really got in our hearts about this. And so we fly back on uh, Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon from um, uh, from Boulder. On Monday morning, Parker sends me a text and says, "I don't mean to scare you, but now do you does anybody really like to get a text like that?" I don't want to scare you, but oh my word, and. Attached as a picture, he said this was on our car last night facing the sidewalk and facing the house, and it was a horrible, horrible uh, Halloween type or or horror movie mask that was, and the car is black, and this mask was was white with with black, and, and it was creepy. I could show it to you, but I really don't want that image in your head. The darkness is pushing back, and just recently I got an email they they were having, uh, God was doing some great things, but he said, we're really sensing spiritual warfare again. Folks, the war is real. That's why the Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. And so I want to encourage you, pray for Parker Manuel and his wife Jess and their four little ones. Parker and Jess Manuel, our missionaries. I told you that you're supporting them. We're supporting them in prayer. We're supporting them by taking some pastors on a vision trip and then a mission trip at the end of March that God might want one of you, some of you, to go on. Your pastor will be talking to you more about that, I'm sure. But your association, God has blessed us financially. We are giving Parker and Jess $1,000 a month support for their, um, uh, uh, for their ministry. Christy and I have signed up, and we give something. It's debited out of our checking account every month. We, we're all in. We're wanting, we're wanting to see God do great things. They've already had seven professions of faith. They sent prayer requests the other day. They just had a, um, um, a candlelight service the, week, the Sunday before Christmas. They were expecting maybe 50 or so people. That night, God brought 65 people to that candlelight service, many of them for the first time being touched by by the gospel. And he said the amazing thing is about 20 to 30 of folks that told us they were coming didn't come, which means God sent 40 new people. God's at work. And they've had seven people saved. And he, he said it was just The the Spirit of God was so with us that night in that candlelight service. He said, I could barely speak. After it was over, this lady named Tilly was sitting over to the side, and she was just weeping. And so we gathered around her and said, hey, what's going on? And she just said, every time I come to one of these gatherings that you have, it's just like every word and every song is just for me. And she could barely get it out because she was weeping. And Tilly doesn't know Jesus. Do you suppose the hound of heaven is after (laughs) Tilly and that she probably has gotten saved by now? I don't know. But Jess was going to follow up with her the very next day. So, folks, great things are happening, but the enemy is not pleased. That's why we are so vital in prayer. Paul witnessed when it was easy, and he witnessed when it's hard. And we've got some missionaries out there that are witnessing where it's very, very hard. Not only that, Paul is a worshiper in all situations. Go on to the next slide. This is where the passage really gets interesting. When you think about it, that in verse 20, uh, 22, they rose up against them and they commanded them beaten with rods and they laid many stripes on them, commanding the jailer of the prison uh, to keep them securely, having received such a charge. He went, put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. We started this message out saying Paul heard from God, and he was a worshiper. Went out to the riverside, and these people were gathered, and and that was was easy. Those were God-seekers. Not all of them probably accepted the Lord. They were Jewish converts. They were still committed to Jew- Judaism, many of them. But he worshiped when it was easy. He's now worshiping when it is darn near impossible. Excuse that. <laughs> Doggone tough to, to, to worship when you're in stocks in the, in the prison. And, you know, it had been beaten Paul over in 2 Corinthians talks about his, uh, his life, how that twice he was, he was, um, uh, uh, twice he was stoned, and he was five times beaten with rods, and so this is not the only time, but Paul is worshiping how, do you know why, one reason he's worshiping? When Paul got saved, still Saul of Tarsus, he sent Ananias to touch him so he would receive his sight again, and God said, Ananias, tell him what great things he must suffer for my sake. And so when suffering came to Paul, he didn't have a pity party. He didn't bawl like a Baptist. He said, I'm right in the middle of God's plan. Because he said there would be great things that I would suffer for his sake. That's why he could say for me to live is Christ to die is gain. That's why he could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why he could say, I've learned to be content with just food and clothing. Didn't even need a roof over his head. He said, food and clothing therewith to be content. Paul's focus was so much on the Lord Jesus that even in the midst of this, and it says at midnight they were praising God and singing. I think this riot happened during the day, and so they're beaten and they're dragged to the prison. And there have been several hours. Do you think he and Silas were sitting there silent all evening? No, I think they'd been talking about the Lord the whole time. You see, Paul was a worshiper in all, all situations. They, they were worshiping and praising God, but he's a witness. He just kept preaching Jesus. Go on to the next, uh, uh, to the next slide. He just keeps preaching Jesus. Jesus in in, in verse twenty five it talks about they were praying and singing hymns and notice the prisoners were listening. Isn't that interesting? Paul and Silas are there in the in the jail and they're in the stocks and they are are are, are suffering. Their, their backs are bleeding and bruised and who knows how how long they were beaten. But it was not it was not a, an easy one by any any stretch of the imagination. And so there they are. He's just preaching Jesus. He's just going to talk about Jesus. I kind of wonder what he, was, um, what he was singing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I have a feeling that he obviously didn't sing those, but uh, he may have sung the hymn out of Isaiah, and Jesus quoted it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and release to the captives and healing for the brokenhearted. Now, folks, I want you to to, to hear, hear this closely. How in the world would the gospel have ever gotten to those other prisoners had Paul not been put in prison? Now, that was kind of like a wow moment. Paul didn't waste any opportunity When he was put in jail, he used that as an opportunity to praise God and to preach Jesus and to sing and to pray. And and so, I'm sure in the prayer time, God, I thank you that Jesus has saved me. I thank you that Jesus went to the cross. See, when you're praying, you can get a lot of preaching in. And so, he just kept talking about Jesus, and the prisoners were listening. Isn't it gracious of our God to have sent someone like Paul to that particular prison where those men... I assume it me. All, all men in there would probably never have had a chance to hear the gospel unless Paul went there. You want the peace of God and the God of peace? Witness when it's easy. Witness when it's hard. Witness when there's opposition. Witness when there's persecution. Just keep talking about Jesus. Paul just kept talking about Jesus. Verse 25, he's talking and the prisoners are listening. Verse 31 It says that that the jailer came out about to kill himself, and and Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your house. Paul just kept preaching. The earthquake hit. The stocks fell open. The doors burst open. the, The jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul says, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Now, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? These hardened criminals that were in there that would have had an opportunity to escape, no one tried to escape. And so this man falls on his face before the Lord and says, what must I do to be saved? We don't have any inkling that he had heard the gospel or anything like that, but he he saw the power and he saw that they were still there and he knew these guys had a message that he needed to hear. Paul just kept sharing Jesus. And this jailer and his whole family Came to know the Lord, that um, uh, came to the, to know the Lord that night, and I want to share something with you as I conclude this message today. That it is, um, you've got to use your holy imagination. Will you do that with me a little bit? Will you imagine what God is doing in this um, in this place? If you look. At Verse 33, it says, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. I doubt it was kosher food. Amen. <laughs> Who knows what it was? But Paul ate it. He brought them up and and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Okay, so here's the timeline. The earthquake happens about midnight. By the time they're out and and they've witnessed to the jailer and they've been baptized, probably it's 2 a.m. What do you think they did between 2 a.m. and daybreak? Another three, four hours right there because it says right after at daybreak, the the, the marshals came, the, the, the police came to say, hey, let these guys go. What happened during that time? Well, Paul just kept preaching Jesus. Amen? He just kept talking about Jesus. This jailer had just been saved. His wife and his family had just been saved. Probably servants had just been saved and, and baptized. And Paul always about was about discipling. He was always about uh, about uh, strengthening people and, and helping them in their life and teaching them Paul had already, remember another time in Acts, he preached way into the night and the guy fell out a window and died. Paul raised him from the dead. If you died this morning, you're on your own. I, I, can't, uh, I can't do that. And so Paul didn't mind preaching way into the night. Paul had an opportunity to disciple this jailer and his family. Don't you think he did that? I do. I don't think they went to sleep. I think he just kept talking about Jesus, and I think he opened the scriptures, or, or, or he may not have had any scripture scrolls with him, but he, by word of mouth, he, he just shared with him who Jesus was and, and, and uh, the, the way his life. I'm sure he told him about Lydia and the other believers in the town, and Paul just used that time to strengthen those that were there. If you read the book of Acts, look for the word strengthened. It's all through the book of Acts. They went back through the town strengthening the churches. We did this, and we strengthened the believers. And God wants us to be strengthening, and that's what He did. But also something happened between 2 a.m. and daybreak that I think is very crucial. Go on to the last slide. I want you to think about Paul's gracious and humble sacrifice. This is where you have to use a little bit of holy imagination. Sometime before daybreak, Paul, with a heart of love for a new believer, looked at him and said, Brother, you've got to put us back in the cell. Because if they come tomorrow morning to take us to court and we're in your living room drinking whatever he served it's not going to be good. You see, Paul graciously and humbly sacrificed for the jailer. Why? To protect him. He wanted God to use that jailer powerfully, and so the jailer took them back into the cell. I don't know that they put him back in the stocks, probably not, but he took them back in there. And not only that he was protecting the jailer, but another thing, he wanted to preach to those prisoners again. Paul went back in there to tell them, hey, God was the one that did that miracle. God was the one that opened these doors. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus. And I'm convinced he went back in to graciously and humbly share the gospel one more time with those prisoners that were without hope. You see, Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless. lifeless. He came to bring grace to those that have fallen so far from God. That next morning, how do I know this? That next morning, they came uh, and said, hey, let those guys go. They, they, they don't want to prosecute them anymore. And it's very interesting. They, uh, he says that. And uh, when it was day, the magistrate sent the police and said, let these people go. The jailer reported this to Paul. See, he went into the prison to purport it to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now. Out from where? Out of the prison. He'd gone back into the prison in order to protect the jailer and in order to preach to the the prisoners. They have beaten us publicly, Paul says, and uncondemned men, thrown us into prison. No, let them come and take us out. Out of where? Back in the prison. Do you see the humble heart of Paul going back into that smelly, stinky, rat-infested prison? and says, let them come and take us out. And they came, In verse 39 says, they came and apologized, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. Paul was a person who had the peace of God and the God of peace, because he could hear from God. He was a worshiper, he was a witness. He was a proclaimer of the Lord. He was humble and gracious. He was one who would protect the saints. That's what they saw in Paul. And if we want the God of peace with us, we imitate him in his character and in his conduct and do those things which Paul had done there with the jailer. And the passage concludes that Paul went back to Lydia's house and encouraged the believers before they left. And so, Paul humbly protected the jailer, preached again to the prisoners, and he prepared the church for what the church was going to be going through. And Paul leaves there and writes the book of Philippians that's filled with joy and grace and hope and all of this when I wouldn't have had such good memories of Philippi. But Paul did. Why? Because of what God did there. Let me conclude with the question I asked at the beginning today. Do you have peace? Have you come to know Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? If you don't know him, come talk to me or Brother Matt or one of the elders after the service. We would love to have the opportunity to share with you how you can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That jailer said, what must I do to be saved? That's the question we all must ask. In a few moments, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and so we're going to pray right now and and uh, and ask God's blessings on this, and and um, uh, ask God to, to guide in the 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 elder who leads in this uh, in this time. And so let's um, let's go before Him and thank the Lord um, right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, whose life demonstrated the kind of life that the peace of God can be upon, and the God of peace will be with. And so, Father, we pray that our lives would be lives like that. And Father, I pray that the peace of God and the God of peace would sustain all of us all during this day and all through 2018, that we would just simply be the people of God you've called us to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, as we come to your table right now, we come, Lord, humbly with grateful hearts, with open hearts for what you might say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.